going, everybody? Welcome to the Bearded Ecclesiologian Podcast. That's right. We're back. Rumors of the demise of this podcast were greatly exaggerated. After a long summer's springs, falls, nap, we are back on the Bearded Ecclesiologian Podcast. I am your host, KV Paxton. This, of course, is the podcast in which we talk all things church because we need more teachings about the church and not less. Well, it's been so long. Thank you guys for your patience. You're probably wondering if we would ever return, but I am back. We are back after tens of people, literally tens of people demanded that we restart the podcast we're back and by demanded i mean they just you know in passing were like hey what happened to your podcast so we're back uh i had a busy time we uh i had to go off become doctor ecclesiologian finish that up had me another baby but now we're hoping to get back into the swing of things. So I want to talk about a topic today that is very, very important. And we want to ask the question, and we're going to spend several episodes on this topic. So let's ask this question. What should we do when we gather? So when the church gathers on the Lord's Day, for worship, what should the church do during those times? Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to share with you the story by uh, this gentleman. His name is Terry Johnson. All right. So I want you to be thinking about how you would answer that question. What should we do when we gather? He says, years ago, I attended a Sunday night service at one of the largest and most prestigious evangelical churches in Southern California. Attendance in the evenings had begun to wane in recent years, so a more informal approach was being tested. The college pastor was leading the service. After the opening exercises, he had us all stand, turn 90 degrees, and give the person next to us a standing back massage. Yikes. It was a bit disorienting, he said, to be giving back massages in such a grand sanctuary right there in the pews. But there was more. He then turned, he then directed us to turn to the person on either side of us, look into their eyes and say, you if anything he says this was even more awkward than the back rub what do you think about that is that something for example that the church should be doing when they gather for worship and if you were to say no that's weird or you picture yourself in that situation say, I ain't rubbing someone else's back. And I'm not looking into the eyes. 
of anybody who's not my spouse and saying, I love you. But besides the weirdness of that, would you have another biblical reason why you shouldn't be doing that? Now, I'll tell you a different, uh, shorter story uh, that I experienced. It was in a church in North Texas some years ago. Um, I was a member of that church. I was uh, pastoring a church about 15 minutes away, uh, but my family attended this church, so I went. And they had a young lady during the service do an interpretive dance. And it was, you guys, you guys, so awkward. Uh, I did not know what to do. Like, what was I supposed to be doing while this person was up there dancing? And what was I supposed to be receiving from this weird body gyration? Um, you know, you ever been in a room where everybody, you could just like sense in the air that everybody is kind of uncomfortable. That's what was happening here. Now, again, the question I'm asking you is, is that something that should be taking place during the worship service? And if not, why not? Now, I want to introduce you to a principle um, that will help us to answer this question. What should we do when we gather so that we could keep, perhaps, hopefully, from doing weird things like giving each other back massages, looking into each other's eyes, saying, I love you. Uh, of course, you should love your fellow members, but looking them in the eye and being coerced to do that <clears throat> is strange. And interpretive dance, why should we not do something like this? I'm going to introduce you to what should guide our gatherings. Now, you have to understand what I'm introducing to you, if you're not familiar with this, is an understanding that when we gather to worship, we are doing something distinct and special, different than how we live our normal lives, right? So like some people might say, and you might have heard this, and it's it's in some sense true, all of life is worship. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that can certainly be true in some sense. But there, you cannot escape the fact that there is something special about gathering in the church among the saints on the Lord's day, right? And so there are two historic approaches to what should we do when we gather. The first is called the regulative principle, regulative principle. And the other is called the normative principle. And so the regulative principle is the one that I would advocate, which is simply that um, when you gather, you only do what is commanded, okay? You only do what is commanded. And so you only do in your gathering from call to worship to when you dismiss what the what you have scriptural warrant for. That's the regular principle. So Ligon Duncan explains it like this. He says, 
The warrant can come in the form of explicit directives, implicit requirements, the general principles of scripture, positive commands, examples, and things derived from good and necessary consequence. Okay, so the church shouldn't do anything in the Sunday morning Lord's Day gathering that the Bible doesn't say to do. Okay. Now the other approach normative would be that you, when you gather, you could do what is commanded plus anything that Bible doesn't expressly forbid. So it would be the regular principle plus regular principle says, just do what the Bible says to do when you gather. The Bible must be the guide for everything you do. Like I said, from the official start, like call to worship to when you dismiss. And the narrative says, yeah, do what the Bible says, but if the Bible doesn't expressly forbid it, then it's okay to do it. I would argue for the regulative principle, which is what I'm introducing to you now and what we'll talk about over the next couple episodes. And so uh, Matt Merker wrote an excellent little book called Corporate Worship. He says, God, by his word, governs what the local church should do when it gathers. And so John Hooper, who was a Protestant reformer, in 1550, so this regular principle comes out in part from the Reformation. He said, nothing should be used in the church which has not either the express word to support it or otherwise is a thing indifferent in itself. Now, when he says indifferent, he's talking about like the color of the carpet or the color of the chairs or what even like, do you sit in pews or do you sit in chairs? So, you know, stage design, um, the time you meet, you know, these are things that are indifferent in themselves. Our church meets at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings for worship. If somebody asked me why 10 a.m., I couldn't say, well, there's a passage in Leviticus that's, uh, you know, what I mean, that there's no biblical warrant to meet at any specific time. Uh, that's indifferent, right? You see? So the regular principle doesn't tell us when to meet. It doesn't tell us what the furniture looks like in the in the worship center or things like this. Those are indifferent things. It just tells us what we should do while we gather. Okay? That's simple enough, yes? And so um, my friend, actually, I, I, I don't know this man. I've never met him. His name is Sam Waldron. He wrote an excellent book called How Then Should We Worship?, and it is about the regulative principle. And it is uh, it's very good. He says, The regular principle involves a limitation on human initiative and freedom, not characteristic of the rest of life. It says of a certain slice of life called worship that it is regulated in a more restrictive and defined way than the rest of life. And he cites the Westminster Confession of faith, which says God alone is Lord of the conscience 
and hath left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men, which are, if anything, contrary to his word, or beside it in matters of faith or worship. So that to believe such doctrines or to obey such commands out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience, and the requiring of an implicit faith and an absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of the conscience and reason also. So he goes on to say, according to this statement, sola scriptura, or scripture alone, has a different application to matters of faith and worship than it does to the rest of life. Do you see? So when we gather, remember that we gather because God called us to gather. We worship God. He is the main focus. Our triune God is the main focus when we gather. And so since he's the one that we are approaching in worship, you understand, he gets to define how he should be approached. Are you jiving with me? You see what I'm saying here? God is the one who says, this is how you worship. And you can think of uh, me and my church, we spent um, a good part of two years going through the book of Exodus on Sunday mornings. And there are a couple of examples you could pull just offhand where you could see this idea of the regular principle, right? When God appeared to Moses in the theophany of the burning bush, right? One of the most famous scenes in scripture. What do people remember about that scene? They remember that God told Moses to take his nasty filthy sheep herding sandals off before he approached this theophany the special presence of the Lord because it is holy ground right so you see how the regular regular principle applies here he couldn't just stroll up to God any way he saw fit God is the one being worshipped God is the one being approached so he says he defines the terms take your nasty sheep dung shoes off when you approach me you see now you can fast forward to later in exodus every time the people are to come near to the mountain that god is on top of uh he defines how they are to do it how close when he summons them they come when he says to come they are clean the way he says to be clean or sometimes he just has Moses approach or Aaron and the 70 elders, but he still has limits on how they are to approach him. You remember another famous scene in Exodus when Moses up on the mountain, getting the 10 commandments, Israelites get impatient. They're like, Aaron is, uh, Moses. Does he ever plan on, you know, coming down from the mountain or, and so they get impatient. They press against Aaron. They grumble against him. He acquiesces to their demands and they build a golden calf. Now, you know this story, right? From the plunder that they got in Egypt that was handed to them because of God. They build this golden calf. But they apply, if you go read that text, they apply language for worship of Yahweh to the golden calf. So they decided they didn't want to worship Yahweh the way that Yahweh said to worship they decided to construct for their own thing how to worship Yahweh, right? They they decided through their own intellect, 
even though they were idiots, um, you know, their impatience, their creativity, even. This is how we're going to worship Yahweh, and uh, he'll like it. And so that obviously went very poorly. Moses comes down the mountain. He throws down the tablets to signify that they have broken the covenant. And uh, he makes them melt down the calf and then drink it. And so one book of the Bible right there, we could think of several examples of the regular principle in the sense that God gets to define how God is approached. That's fair, isn't it? So again, something that uh, Wadron says that is is very, very important to remember is that if God in Christ is especially present in the assemblies of his church in a way that he is not elsewhere, this has tremendous consequences. And so you say, is that true? Of course it's true. First Corinthians 3 talks about why the church is the temple of God. It's because the Holy Spirit dwells in and among them. It's a special place. Not because of the building, right? Nothing special about are holy about these buildings. It's the fact that the people of God who have covenanted together are gathering together for the explicit reason of worshiping the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is there in and among them in a special way. We think of Matthew 18. Jesus says his presence is promised them um, when they gather. And so Waldron continues, among them is the regular principle of the church among the consequences Biblically, it makes sense to say that if God is specially present someplace, a special conduct is required in that place. So it is, in some sense, holy ground, right? Holy ground. And this is why we apply the regular principle. We must, as Waldron says, take off the sandals of our traditions and our pragmatism and our creative impulses off our feet because our first and dominant consideration should be what? What does God require? The church is not my house, as he says. It is not your house. It is God's house. And so I wanted to, with our first episode back, just bridge this topic with you, talk, introduce you to the regular principle if you're unfamiliar with it, and just something for you to sit with something for you to consider, something for you to just think about um, and dwell on before our next episode to work it out um, in your mind. Um, is the regular principle something we should go by? Do you feel like a uh, normative principle is more what we should do? Or, you know, is um, when we gather a special time that should be regulated by the Bible. And thus, since the Bible is God's chosen way to communicate with his people, he is speaking there. Is that what should dictate what we do when we gather? So dwell on that. Think about that. Let's talk about it more on the next episode of the Bearded Ecclesiologian podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you've returned, hey, thanks. Thanks for not, hey, thanks for not giving up on your boy, all right? 
Let's do this again. Make sure you give a five-star review on the podcast app through Apple if you have not done so already. Share the podcast with your friends. Uh, Tell them, listen to this episode. Tell me what you think. Maybe you could uh, use this episode as a way to strike up a conversation about what we should do in the church. You could talk to your friends about this, debate such things, and then we'll come back to it and talk about it more. So thank you again. See you next time on the Beard of the Ecclesiologian podcast, a podcast in which we talk about all things church because we need more teaching about the church and not less. See you then.